It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up and welcome into another edition of the Locked On Bengals Podcast. I'm James Rapine. Jake Lisko out today. But I'll be joined by another Jay, John Breach, going to join us in segment two and three of the show to talk about his Bengals franchise five, the organization really needing to celebrate its past. He wrote a great article for CBS Sports on this a couple of weeks ago that we discussed right here on the Locked on Bengals podcast. So excited to talk with John, but plenty to get to between now and then, including something Dr. Anthony Fauci said in projections for Joe Burrow's rookie season. All of that and more coming up today right here on the Locked On Bengals podcast. A quick reminder that you should subscribe. If you're new to the podcast, give us a subscription here and get the latest Bengals news. You do that on iTunes, Podbean, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, you can subscribe and leave uh, Jake and I a five-star review so you can get the latest and greatest Bengals news right here on Locked On Bengals. All right, let's dive right on in. Let's get to, to pro football focus first, and then we'll get to, to Dr. Anthony Fauci. And we're only going to spend a minute on that because I get it. You guys consume that news elsewhere. But it has to do with football and the football season. And let's be honest, every single person listening to this, uh, you know, I certainly want it. If Jake wants it, everybody wants football. John, when we have we all want football this fall. I don't think anyone doesn't want football. So that's why we're going to talk about it today. But Pro Football Focus put this out a couple of days ago. And I wrote about it at allbengals.com. If you're unaware, I joined this podcast uh, shortly after taking the reins of uh, allbengals.com, which is a Sports Illustrated site. So if you're looking for another Bengals website to to read and get information and watch videos and things like that, plus you can listen to the podcast there because I post every podcast there, uh, you could do that. But Pro Football Focus projects Joe Burrow to pass for 3,734 yards and 23 touchdowns as a rookie. On the surface, it's like, oh, well, that's that's pretty good, right? I'll take that. Sign me up. Woohoo! Uh, you know, it's not crazy. It's not, oh, man, he's going to be an all-pro as a rookie, which no one really expects. But if he does that, like, he's going to probably be rookie of the year. Like, there's a real good shot he's going to be rookie of the year if that happens and the Bengals win six games. Um, unless he throws 52 interceptions, which I doubt. But what was noteworthy about this is who he was projected to have more yards and touchdowns than. Because Pro Football Focus is a site we refer to regular, regularly. But I don't think anyone would look at the Cleveland Browns roster weapons and what they did in the, the offseason, adding to their offensive line, and think, oh, well, Baker Mayfield is in a worse position or is worse off than Joe Burrow. Like I think he's in a great position. And yet... He's only projected to throw for 3,681 yards and 20 touchdowns. I think it's pretty telling. I think it's telling for a variety of ways. And uh, the main one being, and this is the crazy part, pro football focus was extremely high on Baker coming out. Doesn't sound like they're as high on him now. And the Browns may run the ball more than they're, they're expecting, and maybe that's part of the projection. But if Joe Burrow outperforms Baker Mayfield as a rookie with a makeshift offensive line, during uh, an off season in which he had to deal with COVID nineteen, where he hasn't, he literally hasn't seen a Bengals coach, not one, since the combine. Think about that. Joe Burrow hasn't seen Zach Taylor in person since the combine, or Mike Brown in person, or Duke Tobin in person since the combine. So this is this is a challenging off season, 
And, and I think it would do, uh, it, it would be a, a real boost if he was able to not be the fourth most productive quarterback in this division. Because you look at, at the, the quarterbacks, and obviously Lamar is the best quarterback in the division right now. Baker Mayfield, I think, has the best weapons around him. I think that's fair. Ben Roethlisberger is a future Hall of Famer. I think they have the worst skill p- position players in the whole uh, division, the Steelers. But still, like Joe Burrow, if, if he outperforms Baker, he's probably going to end up having better numbers than Ben. Like, I'd feel pretty good. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you feel good if that was the case? And I got a lot of people on Twitter that were like, well, duh, he's going to outperform Baker. Well, let, let's not get it twisted here. Like, I, I had to cover the Browns last year, so I can offer unique perspective here. Baker Mayfield had the worst coach in NFL history last season. Freddie Kitchens is a buffoon. He's awful. And, and you might not have believed in Baker during the draft or during the pre-draft process. I like Baker. I, I admit that. I'm not going to hide from it or run from it. That being said, I think Joe Burrow's a better prospect. Absolutely do. He's taller, stronger, more athletic, doesn't have as strong of an arm. But the thing that Baker was best, and it's not like Baker has a cannon, was his accuracy. Well, Burrow is more accurate. Burrow's instincts are even better. Burrow can see over the offensive, like all of the flaws that Baker has, Burrow doesn't have. Oh, another thing, he's extremely mature. And, and so I, and I've written this a lot, and I think I've said it on the, the podcast during our schedule review show. When the schedule came out last month, I said that I want the battle of Ohio to matter again. And you just, just them putting this out there has generated so much social media conversation. And then the NFL putting Bengals Browns in week two has generated so much conversation that you look and you're like, Oh boy, here we go. Right here we go. This is going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to be relevant again. And I hope it is because I would much rather Browns Bengals be a big deal than Steelers Bengals. Or Steelers-Ravens. And the Ravens aren't going anywhere. I mean, they got Lamar and they're set up for success. And that's fine. But this idea that Joe Burrow is going to have a better season. Like, if he has a better season than Baker, we could, in, in the Browns struggle, let's say the Browns go 6-10 and 10 again. And I'm not saying that's my predi- prediction. Who knows? If that happens, if Joe Burrow outperforms Baker and the Bengals have a better record than the Browns, is Baker in Cleveland next year? I don't know. That, that's the crazy part here. I don't think that's going to happen, but I don't know. Like, I, I don't think Baker's going to struggle that mightily. If I had to pick one or the other to to have bigger numbers this year, I would probably say Baker because his offensive line's much better. It just is. Look at it. It's much more proven. I, I think he's got a, a grown-up as a head coach now in Kevin Stefanski. Uh, a, really a lot like Zach Taylor, a guy who's going to be relatable, but he's going to be uh, business-like and he's going to be organized. And, and so that's... Light years better than Freddie Kitchens. I mean, any coach, literally Jim Tom Sula, probably a better head coach than Freddie Kitchens. And if you don't remember Jim Tom Sula for the 49ers for one year, well, he was a janitor. Uh, anyways, uh, I think that this um, this would be quite interesting. It would. I, I'd probably lean Baker. But, you know, it, it, the other thing is, if you tell me A.J. Green stays healthy and John Ross does what he's supposed to do and T. Higgins is the guy that they drafted at 33rd overall. And then the offensive line is competent, which a lot of those things can happen. Like, I think it's it's not only possible, it's probable that A.J. Green's going to have a big year. Because the only question here is, is health. And I think he was healthy towards the end of last season, healthy enough to play at least. Uh, Joe Mixon is, is just as good. So you, you talk about weapons. If the Bengals' weapons stay healthy, 
I think Tyler Boyd's better than Jarvis Landry. I don't think that's a take. By the way, people in Cleveland would say so, but and I got ripped for it and saying it last year. But I think that's there. Joe Mixon has as much talent, probably more talented than Nick Chubb. He hasn't been as productive. So it's close, but the Bengals need to stay healthy. But if this happens, oh, it would be such a such a welcoming thing. And so that's enough of that. I'm not going to spend too much time on our next topic, and we'll get to John Breach in just a second. Uh, the other thing I wanted to discuss here is what Dr. Anthony Fauci said today on CNN. Uh, and if you're not familiar with Fauci, he's the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. He believes the NFL would have to take drastic measures to safely return to the field. He said, quote, unless players are essentially in a bubble, insulated from the community, and they are tested nearly every day, it'd be very hard to see how football is able to be played this fall. If there is a second wave, which is certainly a possibility and which would be complicated by the predictable flu season, Football may not happen this year. He also mentioned that the the bubble thing, which is something the NBA, MLS, WNBA has instituted uh, in their idea of returning to the court or returning to the field. The NFL quickly commented on this. By the way, they they also commented on the, the bubble. They said it's not practical or appropriate. They did that on Wednesday before Fauci's comments. And then NFL Chief Medical Officer Alan Sills did say this when it comes to uh, Fauci's comments. They issued a statement right away saying, quote, we are developing a comprehensive and rapid result testing program and rigorous protocols that call for a shared responsibility from everyone inside our football ecosystem. This is based on the collective guidance of public health officials, including the White House Task Force, the CDC, infectious disease experts, and other sports leagues. Make no mistake, this is no easy task. We will make adjustments as necessary to meet the public health environment as we prepare to play the 2020 season as scheduled with increased protocols and safety measures for all players, personnel, and attendees. We will be flexible and adaptable in this environment to adjust to the virus as needed. So with training camp scheduled to start next month, the Bengals' first practice practice scheduled for July 28th, it's it brings some caution, right? It brings cause for concern. Here's what I would say. The NFL plans on testing players at least three times per week. What Sills is saying there is, yeah, we'll, we'll change things if, if needed. Obviously, NFL players during the season shouldn't, and this may be a, a crazy thought, but shouldn't go out on a normal basis like they did in the past, like it's a normal year. No one should be doing that, to be honest. But a lot of people are. They're going to restaurants. They're going to clubs. They're going to bars. Well, guess what? If I'm the NFL, that's something I would do is say, yeah, we're going to limit this. This ain't happening. You know, yeah, you could go see your families. We're not going to do the bubble thing where only certain people could come in. And if you leave, that's it. No, you have to be quarantined to get back in. They're not going to do that. But I think the way you do it is you partially quarantine yourself. You see your teammates. You get tested regularly. You get takeout. You don't go to restaurants often. And that's just it, okay? Like, th- that can be handled. You, you have your, your barber, which most NFL players do this anyway. Have your barber come to you. You don't go to them. That's, that's it. You wear a mask more often. And, uh, and who knows? I saw that NBA players are going to wear rings that gauge their temperature and uh, different things like that to help detect the, the potential for having coronavirus. And who knows what the NFL has up its sleeve? I, you know, I, I think that that's the thing that I've been 
most positive about is one, this virus isn't going anywhere. Like they're not going to have a, uh, a vaccine by September. I just, I don't think that's reasonable at all or realistic. Here's what I think is realistic. When you're talking about a, a extremely powerful organization like the NFL that would lose billions upon billions upon billions if they didn't have a season, they've been planning on this for months. And so if Sills, right, who's leading this, Dr. Alan Sills, the chief medical officer says, hey, we're going to be flexible with this. You know what that means? We have backup plans. That's what that should mean, right? We have multiple things, plan B, C, D, E, F, G, that we can go to. And we have resources that we haven't even come close to tapping into. That's what I hope, right? Because the last thing, I think Stadium put it out there, basically a halo looking helmet. Players aren't going to be able to use that because they can't, they have to breathe. These aren't robots, right? I, I saw something else where, you know, the, the face shields that, that they extended down to. You can't do that. Talk to someone who's played football. You're, you're not going to be able to breathe under the helmet. You're not going to do that. It can't happen. So I, I don't see that being an option. But I do think a, a ton of testing. I think partially quarantining yourself and not going out as much. And it's going to be hard to, to monitor that. But that's why you test, right? You test instantly uh, after the, you know, the, the off day, Tuesday, right? After the Monday, they go home, you come back, they, they have to pass a test and, and then they're allowed in facilities. So I think it's doable. I think it's certainly uh, something that can happen, but, uh, you know, we'll see. I don't think anyone really knows uh, how this is going to play out over the next few weeks and months. I think everybody, though, agrees. We all want football this fall. All right. Up next, we're going to talk with John Breach, CBSSports.com, about his article on the Bengals Franchise 5. My idea for a Bengals museum, does he think the Bengals should have a ring of honor? I'll ask John that next. But first, a quick word from Rock Auto. Stop overpaying for car parts. You're capable of making those simple repairs, right? Whether it's changing your own oil, filters, or maybe you need to replace a headlight. Go to rockauto.com and save money every day. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics or do-it-yourselfers. Rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody. They're incredibly low. They have over 300 different car makers. I mentioned Daewoo the other day. Most of you probably don't even remember Daewoo. They have Daewoo if you drive one. So go there. It's a family business. They're serving auto parts and customers online for over 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Don't waste your time at those chain stores. Go to rockauto.com. Save time, save money, and do me a favor. Write Locked On in the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that Locked On Bengals sent you. Again, rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less takeout, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found... Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy 
of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Let's keep things rolling here on the Locked On Bengals podcast and welcome in John Breach, writer at CBS Sports and CBSSports.com. And Jake and I, a couple of weeks ago, John, we talked about uh, your article about the Bengals franchise five. And there's a lot in this that we want to wanted to discuss. Unfortunately, Jake couldn't be on the show today, but uh, you're stuck with me instead. So uh, first off, I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, I can't believe Jake just dips out on my first <laughs> appearance on the podcast and uh, off to a bad start, but I'm glad we're here to talk, James. We're two Cincinnati guys, uh, and you know we cross paths on the internet all the time. We do, no doubt about it. And, and I love that you did this piece, and you're getting, you know, the perspective of J- Jeff Hobson, obviously Dave Lapham, who's Mr. Bengal. I think a, a lot of people have called him that. And then obviously your dad, who's probably the nicest guy in the world, uh, in, in Jim Breach. And uh, it, there wasn't really a, a shocker. To me, when you look at it, and I think people looked at the names of the franchise five uh, and didn't read the, I guess, the fine print where it's one quarterback, right, where it's uh, a coach, where it's a, a couple of uh, other players as well. But when you look at that and then you look at who they picked, I, I think it made sense. Yeah, absolutely. I think the Bengals were a little bit easier of a team to do because you look at someone had to write the Packers franchise five. And since it's only one quarterback, you had to leave off Bart Starr or Brett Favre or Aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers. You know, and then Packers fans get heated. But with the Bengals, I think it is there's a lot of universal agreement. And as I kind of put in here that with Lapham, my dad and Hobson, they all agreed that you have to have Paul Brown. You have to have Ken Anderson and you have to have Anthony Munoz. So, boom, that's three of your five right there. And I think the other two were the biggest, I don't want to say controversies, but maybe most discussion uh, that we had. And I would say out of everyone, it was probably that fifth spot coming down to either Isaac Curtis or Ken Riley. And then obviously, you know, Ken Riley passed away two days before we were publishing a story. And, and, you know, you want to make sure he had a great career in Cincinnati and make sure he got some notoriety in there. Uh, But, yeah, so it was really Isaac Curtis and Ken Riley were the the hardest spot in that fifth slot to fill out. I imagine that Dave Lapham being a a teammate of Isaac Curtis was a big advocate. When I've talked to to Lap about Curtis, he's like, man, you should see him run. So I assume that's – that was one of Lapp's guys that he was pushing for. Lapham was, you know, it's funny because I feel like people don't really comprehend how long Dave Lapham has been a part of this organization. The guy has been with the team for 44 of the 52 years they've existed. That's literally almost the entire franchise's history because you know, he played with them for 10 years. And, and then obviously he's been in the booth for so long now. Uh, but yeah, Dave was a huge Isaac Curtis guy. Uh, and, you know, that's the advantage that he has. He has seen these people play in person. You know, I wasn't alive when Isaac Curtis was playing or when Ken Rye was playing. You can see old film and what you see, you see highlights. So you see their best plays, but you don't know what they did on a play to play basis. And, and so it's hard for these a pro football focus or another company that's grading people to go back and look at these players who are from the 70s and early 80s. And so what you need is people who saw them. And that's where, you know, Lapham's opinion, opinion carries a lot of weight because he was either teammates with these guys uh, or he was covering them in the radio booth. 
Yeah, and to me, I, the the Bengals franchise five it came on the heels. You're right. A couple of days after Ken Riley passed, and it sparked up a lot of conversation. I know I wrote a piece about a Ring of Honor. I think the Athletic wrote a piece. There's been a lot of talk about the need for a, a Bengals Ring of Honor. You have a, a unique perspective, obviously, uh, just talking with your dad and then talking with with players. Do you think that's required? Do you think that's something that the Bengals should do? I absolutely think it's something they should do. I don't know why they've been so slow to embrace it. You literally have almost every other team in the NFL doing something like that. And, you know, it was a small step forward when they did the 50th anniversary team a few years ago. But people love to embrace history, especially when you have nothing positive to look back on. The Bengals haven't won a playoff game in 27 years. All we have right now is fans growing up our memories of the 1990 uh, team that won that playoff game against the Oilers or, you know, the 88 Super Bowl team or the 81 Super Bowl team. There's no reason you shouldn't be embracing that. And so if there is one team that should have a ring of honor because they haven't been great over the past two and a half decades, it is the Bengals. So it is surprising that they haven't done anything. And it does feel like, you know, it's sad that Ken Riley passing away had to kind of reignite that discussion, but hopefully that will be kind of the step the Bengals take and say, you know what, this is, we don't want more guys to pass away and not know they got honored. So let's do this right now and, and let's get a ring of honor going. And, and I think it's a great point because for months leading up to the draft, there was so much talk nationally about the perception of the Bengals and how it's such a, a bad franchise and bad organization. And really the only national I'll say talking head, and I say that in quotes, I think was Mel Kuyper that kind of stood up for the Bengals, right, before the draft, and should Joe Burrow want to go there or not. And I think if you celebrate your history, more NFL fans will learn about your franchise and not just think of the 90s, the moment you have a couple of down years, because the 90s were a long time ago, and the Bengals have been better, really, 03 on. This hasn't been the 90s. You know, you and I lived through the 90s. So I think if they celebrate what they, they have not only in the 80s and, and before that, but uh, over the past two decades, I think you'll build up some equity, I think, among the fan base and also among the NFL fans in, of any any city. Yeah, I would say, you know, Mike Florio was really milking that cow of Burrow yeah. not wanting to play in Cincinnati. And the thing is, though, but you look at the national landscape and that's what the average fan associates the Bengals being a bad organization. You know, I know that people in Cincinnati were very defensive about that whole entire storyline but the reason it stuck out is because it was like, oh, this is totally believable. This guy doesn't want to play for the Bengals. Like, why would anyone want to play for the Bengals? Because that is what people do think from a national standpoint. And one reason, and I, I have no idea if this is true, but I feel like they've been maybe afraid to uh, embrace things. Because, like, you know, in this article I mentioned, you know, Cincinnati is where the West Coast offense started. It's where Dick LeBeau introduced the zone blitz defense. It's where... Uh, you know, Sam Weiss started the no huddle. But when you start embracing those things and people start looking at history, not everything ended fantastically. And maybe that's why Mike Brown is hesitant to do that. You know, Bill Walsh got run out of Cincinnati after coming up with the West Coast offense. Dick, Blo Dick LeBeau got run off and he ended up in Pittsburgh of all places, you know, where he ended up making that famous. That's not something that you're too proud to remember. Uh, so, you know, there are a couple of those. Those black eyes, you know, Boomer Esiason, even though he had a late run with the Bengals in the late 90s, he kind of got run off after the 1991 season, I think, uh, you know, and then we went with David Klingler and won three Super Bowls with him. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, it is not everything has a great ending. But and I, so I think that is why 
Mike Brown is maybe hesitant because he thinks of things like that, but no one remembers stuff like that. They just want to remember the glory stuff. You put that out there, like celebrate the fact that the West Coast offense was invented in Cincinnati because the average NFL, NFL fan doesn't know that. So there's a lot of things that need to be celebrated, and the team just needs to do a better job of it. It's funny you mentioned that. I have your article up here uh, to my right, and I'm looking at that. You you noted everywhere you look in the modern NFL, you can see shades of things that were created in Cincinnati. You mentioned the West Coast offense, the you know the no huddle offense, Sam Weichen. I, I could go on and on, and, and I, I think that one celebrating it. But if you're an average NFL fan, do do you know that? Like I, I don't think I would. Like if I didn't grow up in Cincinnati, I wouldn't know. Most of Bengals, I would know probably Chad Johnson, A.J. Green, you know, Andy Dalton, Carson Palmer, and that would probably, Marvin Lewis, of course, and that would probably be it, right? I wouldn't know about the eight because I was born in 91, so right. I haven't seen a, a, anything like that. So if you're 28 or under, you probably, unless you grow up in Cincinnati, you probably have no idea where that stuff was invented or created. Yeah, that's literally like my gauge for telling how old someone is just in general life. If I meet people, they find out what I do. We start talking sports. Uh, and then, you know, like, if they've heard of my dad, then I know they're either 35 and up. If they have not, then they're probably 35 and under. So, you know, there are and that's the thing is that you just have this black hole, the dark ages of Bengals football uh, in that which is the 90s. And so it, they just need to start embracing. It's, I could I already went on a rant. I'm not going to go on it again. Uh, mm -hmm. But but that's that is really what they need to do. I think Mike Brown you know, he's getting old. So maybe he is, is getting that point. Like, Hey, maybe we do need to start doing this. I'm going to be, I think 84, 85 soon. He knows he, yeah. I just think it's something he might start thinking about. What else, John, do you think they can do to embrace that outside of a ring of honor? Cause a ring of honor, you're going to uh, obviously acknowledge your former great players and coaches, but is it a museum? Like, like I, I'll never forget. I went to Lambeau five years ago in, in 2015 and I watched, Believe it or not, Nick Foles and the Rams lose to Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Uh, but it, it was it was great because you, you got to see the museum and you got to see all the history behind it. And I get it. The Bengals aren't the Packers historically. But I, I still think there's a, a place where you could have a, a wing at Paul Brown Stadium or a museum to honor stuff like that, to educate fans from all 32 teams that come into your city to, to watch their favorite team play the Bengals. Yeah, I do. You know, obviously the Packers have a lot more history. The Reds are a good example because they have a museum at Great American Ballpark. And, and I do think that maybe a team that has existed for 50 years, you could say there's not enough history to put a museum. But because of everything the Bengals have done, you could literally write the history of the NFL with what the Bengals have done. You know, as we mentioned, the West Coast offense and, and the, the zone blitz being two big ones. And Jim McNally kind of introduced the zone blocking schemes for the run game on offense, which is another big one. And so you could tell those stories. You don't need a huge Packers-like museum, but you could have something where you're educating just the average NFL fans. Because, you know, a lot of fans come from out of town to watch the opposing team play the Bengals, and they could learn something about the Bengals and walk out and go, holy crap, you know, the West Coast offense was embedded in Cincinnati. So I, I do think they could do something. You don't have to go Packers crazy, but, you know, like you said, a little, a little wing in the stadium I think would be nice. John, I want to ask you about – the Hall of Fame and why Ken Anderson isn't in it. Plus, I'm going to get your thoughts on Joe Burrow and the current Bengals. But first, it's time to tell our listeners about Built Bar. It's the best protein bar on the planet. I hope you're taking advantage of Built Bar's 50% off sale this week only. Go there now. They have 16 different flavors, something for everybody. 
when you're talking about a protein bar. Look, we've been quarantined for months. I get it. You're trying to get back in shape. You're counting your macros. You want to stay within those barometers. Well, you can with Built Bar. They're low-sugar, high-protein bars that taste great. You're not getting the chalky taste. No, no, no. They use real chocolate. So whether it's peanut butter, whether it's raspberry, whether you love mint chocolate like I do, heck, maybe you like coconut. They have something for everybody. And right now, you're going to get $10 off your first order. So you can double up 50% off week at Built Bar and $10 off your first order. Here's what I want you to do. Go to BuiltBar.com, pick out your favorite flavors, pay 50% off because of Built Bar special this week, and then use promo code Locked On to save $10 more on your order. So again, BuiltBar.com, promo code Locked On, save $10 off your first order. And a quick reminder from Locked On Bengals that the Locked On Podcast Network stands against racism and social injustice. That's why we, the hosts, are making personal donations to local and national organizations that are fighting for change. And in the month of June, Locked On is matching the total of all host donations up to an additional $10,000. To make your own donation along with us, please visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash Black Lives Matter. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jana, I want to get into the current state of the Bengals uh, in just a few minutes and ask you about Joe Burrow, uh, because obviously uh, it's an exciting time, I think, for for Bengals fans right now. But before we do that, Ken Riley, Ken Anderson, I, I think everyone probably listening to us right now thinks that both should be in the Hall of Fame. W- why aren't they? W- what do you think the biggest reason is why those two guys haven't been inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame? Well, you know, it's funny. We just talked about what could the Bengals do to embrace their history. Maybe it's open a small wing, and, and uh, not a museum, but just embrace what they've done. Uh, they could push their guys. You know, like, we don't. who's vocal? Who's standing up for Ken Anderson? And who's standing up for Ken Riley kind of out on the national landscape? You have, uh, you know, I don't think the fan base is big enough to make a loud enough noise. And maybe the Bengals need to start using their social media accounts to saying, hey, why aren't these guys in? These guys have been absolutely robbed. And, you know, Ken Anderson in particular, with when he retired in 1986, he held, he held multiple NFL records, and he was his numbers stack up just as good or even better than pretty much any quarterback of that era. So I think it's absurd that Ken Anderson's not in. And, and I do think that Ken Riley should be in, obviously, fifth all-time in interceptions. The top eight guys are are all in except for him and Charles Woodson. Charles Woodson is going to make it eventually, I think. So that leaves just him. Uh, so I think the Bengals just need to be more vocal about it. Go on Twitter and like tag the Hall of Fame. Tag every voter on the selection committee. Do it like once a week. Be like, yo, bro, you putting uh, Kenny Anderson in there? We got two Kens here that need to be in the Hall of Fame. And, and so that's what I would do. If I'm running the Bengals social media team, or if I'm running, uh, if I'm making those decisions in the organization, I am just being more vocal about it. They lost Ken Riley. You know, he passed away. I don't want to see Ken Anderson pass away without getting in. Uh, it, it, it's just, I still can't believe he didn't get in when they put in 20 people. That that just still blows my mind. Yeah, I thought he was a shoe in then. Uh, he doesn't get in. And 
one of the stats he used for this piece, and I don't know if I knew it and forgot it or just didn't know it, but I, I was almost embarrassed that I didn't know it. Some of his completion percentages, right? So the 70.6 completion percentage in 82, uh, and just how that stacks up, like thinking about the game from 40 years ago and how physical it was and how the rules were versus now, that's insane that he posted those kind of completion numbers. Yeah, no one completed 70% of their passes in 1982, and that's what he did. And no one ever did it in the NFL until 2009. It literally took 27 years for someone to match Ken Anderson's number, and that's because they're just making short, dinky, dunk, safe throws all the time. Uh, you know, there's only two quarterbacks that have even topped Ken Anderson's 70.6% completion percentage. And that's Drew Brees, who's done it like four or five times. And then Sam Bradford, who is like the poster child for just – uh, you know, throwing a one yard pass on third and 10 and, you know, it doesn't help you, but it helps your completion percentage. Uh, sorry. You just saw there's a bug here. Um, okay. Yeah. So we have, yeah. So it's just insane. Anderson was doing things that quarterbacks just were not doing in, you know, from 70 to 86 during his career. All right, John, let, let's stick with quarterbacks and let's translate uh, or transition rather to present day. And I know Ken Anderson is a fan of Joe Burrow and what he did and his completion percentage amongst other things that he did at LSU last season. What do you think uh, about the state of the Bengals right now and specifically uh, Joe Burrow? Let me just say first that I am the biggest Andy Dalton apologist on the entire internet. <laughs> I, I would have signed Andy Dalton to a lifetime contract. I know the Andy Dalton debate was never ending. Some people wanted to get rid of him in like 2017. Other people thought he should have stuck around. I was pro Andy Dalton. Like I just, I, I just wanted Andy Dalton to be with the Bengals forever. I just thought that it, it's going to be almost impossible to find a quarterback who's better than Dalton because it, there's just not a bunch of free agents out there. Obviously, there were this offseason, but that doesn't usually happen. Uh, and I thought he was a good, steady hand for the team. Now, that being said, if there was one quarterback who could get me off the Andy Dalton bandwagon, it is Joe Burrow. Like, Joe Burrow is so good, it's almost unbelievable. And if the, it, just half his college talent translates to the NFL, and, you know, it feels like the Bengals could be a seven or eight win team easy in 2020, and, and then maybe an upside of like 10 or 11 wins. So, I am pumped to watch Joe Burrow, and I love the fact that he has so many weapons to throw to. I think people forget how many offensive weapons this team has. If A.J. Green's completely healthy, Joe Mixon's one of the best running backs in the NFL, but again, he plays for the Bengals, so nobody pays attention. Uh, and, you know, Tyler Boyd adding T. Higgins, I think, is huge. I thought maybe they reached a little in the second round, but, you know, why not add a weapon to your number one overall pick? So I, don't, I didn't hate the pick. Uh, so I think this team could put up just blow up scoreboards this year and put up some serious points. I do. I, I, I agree with that. I think Burrow is uh, certainly in a position to succeed. I can't really think of many top picks that walk into a seven time pro bowler and AJ Green, a two time thousand yard receiver, two time thousand yard running back that are drafted first overall. I just I just can't think of one. Um, and maybe there is one out there. I think the one concern that everybody has is the offensive line, at least offensively. You, you look at what they've done really over the past four seasons, each losing, uh, each four straight losing seasons, four straight bad performances by that offensive line. Are you as confident as uh, as fans are, which is zero confidence, I guess, in the offensive <laughs> line? Or are you on the coaching staff side, which they appear almost irrationally confident in the guys they have up front? I am definitely leaning more toward the fan side there. I don't know if I'm at zero, but I think a lot of it obviously is going to come down to how well Jonah Williams plays. Uh, you know, this is like getting a free first round pick 
You got him on the field finally for the first time. As long as he can stay healthy and as long as he's just somewhat competent, like he doesn't have to be great. He just has to be slightly above average. And I think that will help the rest of the offensive line because you're kind of the anchor there over at left tackle. And, you know, they brought him uh, Suafilo over from the Cowboys. I think he's going to be an upgrade at right guard. We don't need to talk about Bobby Hart because as long as he's there, you know, that's always going to feel like the weak link. Um, so I, I don't think this can be a great offensive line, but I do absolutely think it can be better than last year. And I also think that Burrow is more nimble than Andy Dalton has more arm strength. So if he's facing some rush, I think he's going to have a better ability to make plays, uh, when he's being rushed. So I think that's going to be an upgrade and that's going to help the Bengals, even if the line does struggle a little bit. Yeah, but I'm still, I'm not high on the offensive line. I'm like, eh, like so, so he's John breach. Make sure you check out his work at cbssports.com. John. You have any other Bengals stuff coming out uh, in the near future that you know of? Uh, I might have some more this offseason. Nothing eminently, though. Uh, but if I do, I will let you guys know, and I'll come in and talk about it if you guys want. Yeah. And maybe, and maybe uh, Jake will show up. Maybe he will show up. That's uh, good stuff there from John Breach. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. Check out his work, even if it isn't about the Bengals, at CBSSports.com. I follow John's work uh, for, for quite some time, and it was nice to uh, – to chat with him and uh yeah something came up with jake we're just uh nothing nothing serious something work related that he had to attend to so no big deal there but uh he did book john so shout out to jake for booking john and then allowing me to talk to john breach that's going to do it for today's show make sure you subscribe itunes google play stitcher podbean wherever you get your podcast i'm james rapine thank you so much for listening and in the immortal words of jake lisco who day and have a good one. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.